Hello and welcome to Complete Caribbean, a Travel Pulse podcast all about the world's favorite warm weather destination, the Caribbean. I'm writer, editor, and Caribbean travel expert, Jet Set Sarah. And I'm Brian Major, managing editor here at Travel Pulse. We're happy to have you join us today as we discuss the ins and the outs of Caribbean travel and we share the latest info and intelligence on this wonderfully diverse region. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the Travel Belt's Complete Caribbean podcast. It is Thursday, September 9th, and I am Sarah Greaves Gabadon, aka Jet Set Sarah, and with me is my co host, Brian Major. Hello, everybody. (laughs) Happy to have you here. Happy that everyone is here with us today. Hope you're all keeping safe and healthy. We've got a great show coming up, jam-packed with news as normal. And in fact, we have someone dropping in from Jamaica to talk to us. You know, Jamaica's been in the headlines, so we're very excited to hear from this island, which was, of course, my second home. But anyway, like I said, we've got a lot of news, so we're going to get straight stuck in with this just in. So on my first item, as the Delta variant continues to surge, we're seeing changes to Caribbean countries' entry requirements. The latest, Anguilla, Grenada, St. Bart's, St. Kitts and Nevis, Trinidad and Tobago, and the Turks and Caicos, as well as the Cayman Islands, have all announced mandatory vaccination policies. So if you're unvaccinated, basically you're not going to be able to visit for the foreseeable future. And then about a week ago, Antigua's Hotel and Tourism Association urged their government to put similar regulations in place for visitors to the Twin Island Nation beginning October 1st. As we move in the fall into the fall, I think it's going to be really interesting to see which other islands start to change their policies in this way. But honestly, I fear that unless we get a firm handle on Delta and vaccination rates within the region rise to protect the health of both visitors and residents, we're going to see these sorts of changes become inevitable. But what say you, Brian? I couldn't agree more. I think vaccination is uh, at the forefront and uh, we may see this become a region-wide policy. Um, you know, it's, it's a little controversial in some, in some ways to some people, but I think it's, uh, you know, the island is doing what they need to do. And um, mm-hmm. the vaccinations are at the forefront in Cuba, another uh, Caribbean travel destination, but for kind of a different reason. Um, the Ministry of Tourism this week announced the country will ease restrictions on visitors beginning November 15th. And that's also tied to vaccination because as with several Caribbean nations, the Cuba news comes as that island is also taking steps to arrest a recent COVID surge. Now, it may sound strange that they're talking about easing restrictions uh, when there's uh, been a surge, but Cuba actually has 90%, more than 90% of the country's population will be vaccinated by November. That is wow. according to the Cuban ministry, 90%. Now, That's um, impressive. Yeah, it's, it's, it's unique because Cuba is using, um, you know, Cuba's medical system is, is talked about around the world. And they are they are using locally produced coronavirus vaccines, Abdala and Soberana. They're not recognized by the World Health Organization, but they've demonstrated a 90 percent efficiency rate, efficiency. Efficacy rate. That's what I want to say. Efficacy rate. (laughs) Efficacy rate uh, in local clinical tests. So it's clearly um, effective. Um, Again, uh, there's a local surge, but they will be they will be um, relaxing um, restrictions uh, very soon. uh, November 15th. There are protocols to enter Cuba still. Uh, Travelers still have to submit a health health declaration. They have to obtain a tourist card from their airline and they also have to produce 
proof of a negative PCR test result taken within 72 hours of arrival. Um, now, when the restrictions occur, when the easing of the restrictions occur in November, they will no longer have to take a t- PCR test upon arrival. That's a big change. Um, but visitors of Cuba also have to obtain travel insurance covering COVID-19 and quarantine in their accommodations until uh, their test results arrive uh, currently. Um, now, you know, we know that Cuba travel is uh, subject to um, government restrictions, not having to deal with uh, COVID. Um, travelers to Cuba must uh, refrain from strictly tourist activities and visit the country under one of 12 categories, including support for the Cuban people. Now, you can find the complete terms on the U.S. State Department's site uh, under Cuba. Um, but we see uh, good news, bad news seen there. Um mm-hmm. Increased access to Cuba, but also um, local surge, but a highly vaccinated population. We're going to talk about that subject later. Yes, more. This we really could call this a vaccination show this week because we're going to we're going to be talking a lot about vaccination rates in the Caribbean and here, because um, of course they're both related. But anyhow, um, in other COVID-related news. Complete COVID Caribbean, this is today. Um, You would have heard probably two days ago, the CDC added Jamaica to its list of countries that it's designating as level four COVID-19 very high. This means that the CDC advises against travel to the island and that if you must travel, you should be vaccinated first. Jamaica, the I'm sorry, destinations that fall into the level four category have had more than 500 cases per 100,000 residents in the past 28 days. Now, to date, Jamaica, which is the largest English-speaking Caribbean island with a population of about 3 million people, and my former home, by the way, has only distributed 19 doses of the vaccine per 100 people, according to CNN. And as of now, the island does not have a vaccination mandate for visitors or for tourism workers. It is worth noting, however, yes, Jamaica was added to this list on Tuesday, but there are some other Caribbean islands on that list. The Bahamas and Costa Rica are also at level four. And then there are other Caribbean countries that are at level three. Those countries are Antigua, Grenada, and the Turks and Caicos Islands. And those are in the CDC's level three COVID-19 high category, as opposed to very high, which is four. Now, we're going to be talking with someone from Jamaica later on in the show. So we'll be able to really, what to say, unpack this news and what it means for Jamaican tourism. Um, but we're very interested to hear what the island thinks, because as we were discussing at the top of the show, it seems that there is a trend of islands putting in vaccination mandates uh, for visitors to the country. But then on the other hand, if you've had very few of the people in your own country vaccinated, Is it hypocritical to ask visitors to be vaccinated? We're going to unpack all that and more when we speak to Jamaica coming up. Absolutely. You could say that uh, for the U.S. as well. I wonder how many U.S. states would be a level four category. Ah, good (laughs) Uh, point. Good point. Destination if we were to rank U.S. states. So, um, you know, um, again, um, you know, I Go follow the recognized health authorities and get vaccinated is really the the, the message coming out of, out of out of all of that information. Um, on another note, I spoke last week with Petra Roach. Petra is the new CEO of the Grenada Tourism Authority, and uh, Grenada is one of the small boutique Caribbean destinations. It tend, it generally tends to fight for recognition among Caribbean destinations. And I, if I remember correctly, it's the first destination to which Sarah traveled to after the pandemic. Yes. 
Yes, well, yes. The first one in the pandemic, the Spice Island. I like it spicy. After the outbreak. The pandemic is still yes. going on. Yes. <laughs> After yes, the yes. outbreak, I must say. <laughs> yes. And uh, Petra is a friend of both of ours. And uh, she made it clear her administration's goal is to work to emphasize Grenada's natural assets and promote the entire archipelago. Because as we know, Grenada is an archipelago of many islands with three main islands, Grenada, Petit Martinique, and Cariacou. Now, Petra shared that 20% of those islands are marine protected areas, and the territory's focus on conservation opens it up to the wellness traveler and those with an interest in sustainability and ecotourism and people seeking a positive healing experience. And I want to add it, Grenada fits in with um, some of the uh, Caribbean destinations that we know that are really becoming uh, 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 treasured and looked upon because they offer Primarily outdoor experiences, much spaciousness mm -hmm. and villa accommodations where you can have exclusivity and let's say space from <laughs> space from other folks. So those are part of the the, the luxury um, uh, paradigm today. So uh, Grenada offers that. Now, the last point she made was regarding travel operators and travel advisors who are among many of our, our listeners, of course. Um, Grenada is a small Caribbean island, as we mentioned, and Petra said she wants to partner with entities who have a responsible tourism core as they're part of their mission. She said Grenada is not a mass tourism destination and they desire to work with entities and operators that align with their core values and strengths. So folks, when you're thinking Grenada or travel advisors or people who are going to liaison with the government, recognize that the new administration is gonna be looking towards some inherent strengths. And uh, those are the topics you'll be addressing when you when you're working with Grenada and selling it to your clients. Yeah, I think it's really important that islands, Caribbean countries recognize that you can't be everything to everyone, right? So Grenada is not right. going to have the things that say the Bahamas has or Jamaica has. But I think it's really important to nail down what your unique assets are as a country and then play off those. You know, those are your strengths. Don't try to be something that you're not, you know. I think I think in the Caribbean and there's still some vestiges of it. We try to become very Americanized because we think, oh, that's what American tourists want. And maybe back in the day, people were more concerned about comfort and familiarity. But I think now people are into authenticity and want to really feel like they got away when they went away, right? So I think it's even more important. Great, great right? point, Sarah. Yeah, that people, that islands just play to their play to their strengths. We now have one of the most distinguished, we're honored to have one of the most distinguished tourism officials in the world, really, but certainly in the Caribbean uh, and representing Jamaica. This is the Jamaica Tourism Minister, Mr. Edmund Bartlett. Um, I'm pleased and honored to have you here, uh, Mr. Minister. So thank you for spending some time with us. Thank you so much, Brian. It's really always a pleasure to be on uh, your program. You bring so much a depth and value to this whole process of information dissemination. Uh, every time we're together, we can be assured that much will be gleaned, much will be mined, and more will be said. And I think it will inure to the benefit of everyone. Thank you. Thank you very much for that, uh, Mr. Merson. I want to forge right into, um, certainly Jamaica has been in the news um, uh, in relation to um, visitors and uh, certainly in relation to the pandemic, which is affecting the entire world. Um, the CDC this past week uh, added Jamaica to a list of countries that are a designated category four high risk 
destination for that is that the U.S. is advising folks not to travel here. Now, we know Jamaica has maintained a tourism activity throughout the pandemic since reopening. Um, so what is your reaction to this designation now, Mr. Minister, and how is the country, in your estimation, managing this crisis? Well, uh, Brian, um, you know, I'm pleased to say, in fact, that visitors can enjoy their vacation just as they planned it in a real, safe, secure, and seamless manner, uh, notwithstanding, uh, you know, any designation. So we've been along with an approved travel authorization uh, form found on our visitjamaica.com uh, prior to boarding our flights. You know, all travelers ages 12 and up, regardless of nationality, are regarded to show proof of a negative COVID-19 uh, PCR or NAA or RNA or, or antigen tests, any of these um, viral tests that are approved. Yes. by the WHO and so on. And, and they are welcome. That remains. We are well equipped to accommodate an island testing also for those who wish to have it done on the, for their return flight. So all of those protocols are here. So once you're here, we have carefully developed an extensive suite of measures mm -hmm. to ensure the highest level of health safety for visitors our tourism workers and lo local communities, I think, are showing that um, spoken generally within the resilient corridors that we have established. The level of, um, of infection have been low uh, as around so that the visitor coming report is a safe and happy destination for our visitors. Absolutely. Now, as again, we as you've just mentioned, uh, there is a extensive protocol system, extensive system of resilient corridors, which has allowed the country to operate. Any questions about that, as the minister indicated, uh, visit jamaica.com. The website has all the answers and all the information. But while I have you here, Mr. Minister, um, we've heard reports, unfortunately, about Jamaica having a, a relatively low vaccination rate uh, within the country. We see that the community spread is not affecting, as you mentioned, the tourist area. But um, what is the vaccination rate and what do you think is the country is doing and, and how will it proceed to uh, maybe increase the vaccination rate? Well, you know, from a very weak start, as all of the uh, developing world endured uh, through this awful period of, of, of vaccine uh, inequity, that has prevailed. Yes. Uh, we have now stepped up the pace of vaccination uh, because the, our big friends have been able to give some vaccination finally to the small countries of the world. Um, Jamaica, it was the case where we didn't have the money to buy. It yes. was a simple case that it was just not available to us yes. uh, because it was hoarded by uh, some of our big friends, but not a problem now. They are opening up and we are getting more vaccines. So in the last three months, we've vaccinated more than 600,000 Jamaicans. Uh, mm -hmm. And um, the workers of the tourism industry, which is very key, uh, they are vaccinating at a rate twice that of the Jamaican national in general. So we are seeing a big move now, really strong and, and, and energized effort. Uh, led by the Prime Minister himself, yes. you know, with the Ministry of Health and, 
and myself as Minister of Tourism. Yes. And we have established different uh, task force and teams that are driving the public education program and visitations to communities to encourage and to um, uh, uh, persuade because there is a level of hesitancy as it is everywhere and we have to continue to do that level of persuasion um, and, and, uh, and incentivization to get the levels to where we need it. So the encouraging um, news, of course, is the heightened level of vaccination that is now taking place in Jamaica. Absolutely. And we did hear yesterday, in fact, the, the head of the WHO mentioned just what you mentioned, Mr. Minister, that uh, the wealthier countries have not shared the vaccines in the way that they promised to initially. Um, so that is uh, hopefully now happening. And well, you um, know, in a funny in a funny way, Brian, it's, it's to show that inequities will prevail always and nationalism tends to trump all the efforts to globalization and all these wonderful uh, international arrangements that we try to put together. Yeah. Uh, because now, now that big countries are either close to fully vaccinated or have achieved uh, herd immunity, they are opening up and, and giving. Some countries have had up to the third dose, while still 85% of the world yeah. is to get concern that continues with us. And uh, Mr. Minister, you know, when we talk about vaccination, um, the, the, it seems that across the Caribbean, um, Turks and Caicos recently announced, uh, Anguilla recently announced, Cayman Islands recently announced, they will only restrict, they will restrict visitation to those who are vaccinated. This is a, it, it is a somewhat controversial in, in some regards. Do you foresee that for Jamaica? Right. Well, you know, I, ideally, that's where the world is going. Um, and the tool, the only universal tool that we seem to have now is the vaccination as the, the means, of course, of uh, restraining the, 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 the level of infection and or protecting the infected even from death and, um, and you know, and, and hospitalization an uh, extreme uh, health situation. So, so that's really the tool that the world has. So ideally, we want to get there. The, the hardcore facts are, however, that the level of vaccination, um, even in our source markets, are at the point where you would effectively be, you know, denying your own market its, it's strength and, and, and the recovery process overall will be going slower and slower and slower. And yeah. that's been the, the real pull, pushback in terms of going ahead uh, with um, a mandate. Uh, in terms, of course, of your local people, in terms of driving them to vaccinate, that's certainly an option that um, you know, is being yes. explored. It is an option that is being explored. That is, uh, you, you raised some great points. Uh, Minister, I know your time is limited and uh, I want to, um, you know, emphasize we talk so much about uh, the pandemic and about vaccination, about these things. But um, again, Jamaica has hosted tours now for quite an extended period. You have the resilient corridor system that seems to be working. And uh, I'm thinking that, Mr. Minister, are most of the Jamaican activities that you 
identify with a with a characteristic Jamaican experience, are those available right now to travelers? Oh, yes. 85% of all the tourism uh, experiences are still intact because they are in the corridor and the uh, management of the corridor is exceptional. And, and I say that with great pride because I think Jamaica has proven that even in this uh, pandemic uh, and uh, with uh, variants coming, uh, you know, a dime a dozen and minutely, you know, and difficult for us to even track. We are still able to have a a corridor that is relatively safe and secure and in which uh, visitors can come and enjoy and have a safe experience. That is refreshing and that is comforting to know because, uh, and you know, I've had colleagues, uh, my travel colleagues, and certainly some of the travel advisors I speak with have sent people to Jamaica they're having a wonderful time, and and uh, certainly this is a time when people, if they're able to get away, they are going to enjoy their vacation, their holiday, even more so. Yes, indeed. Especially, you know, one has that sense of anxiety and uh, born out of the insecurities that this uncertain future has brought to us. We, for the first time, you know, in... Uh, perhaps a century or more, the level of uncertainty that has gripped the world simultaneously is never, ever experienced, even thought of. So we have to manage something we've never done before. And all of us are in a strong iterative mode. We are making trials and, and we make errors in the process and we're doing it right and we're doing it less right. And as we go along, we seek to do it better. And we learn based on our mistakes. And we learn from each variant that we get um, how to hopefully manage the next. So this is really why uh, a level of confidence has to be built in to the destination efforts. And that destination assurance has to be an important part of what drives, um, you know, the, 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 the market. That the market needs to appreciate that if you get to Jamaica and you start to have your uh, vacation, you are going to be protected. And if something happens to you, there is also a recourse and a recourse that will see you uh, cared for. And that's why we established Jamaica Cares as an important driver of our experiences here in Jamaica. We want our visitors to appreciate it's not just about coming to, to have fun but it's also to have healthy fun and it's also to be in a position where we care for you and we care about you and we are satisfied uh, that your presence is going to be one that will be secured by the assurance that we give that you'll be good, you'll be taken care of. Well, I think that's a great note to end on. Thank you, Mr. Minister. I mean, uh, we always value our time with you and you always give us a, a larger perspective on the picture. And, uh, and once again, it's great to hear from the decision makers uh, of the Caribbean, the people who are on the front line making the decisions that impact tourism directly. So thank you for your time. Thank you today. so much, Bran. <laughs> and as, as usual, you are a major. <laughs> Thank you, sir. <laughs> Appreciate it always. Much respect, sir. Respect. Okay. Bless you. Bye now. And now we'll just go into our next segment, Island Inbox. Now, 
We're um, focusing on, uh, I'm going to focus a bit on Bermuda, which is uh, close to us East Coasters and a great, uh, uh, it's not actually technically in the Caribbean. It's in the North Atlantic, but it has the same traditions and same values as the Caribbean. It is very Caribbean. Um, And right now, the Caribbean, the Bermuda Tourism Authority is performing some of the outreach that's missing, I think, among some of the travel destinations. It's emphasizing Bermuda's African and Caribbean legacies to court black travelers. The latest initiative is a partnership with PGA Magazine to launch Bermuda's inaugural Black Golfers Week. And that's a series of socially conscious events designed to celebrate Bermuda's black golf legacy following the PGA Tour Bermuda Championship from November 3rd to November 7th. These events will play out on Bermuda's golf courses as 24 teams will compete for the Black Golf Club and Team Championship Trophy. Now, Bermuda has an extensive Black golf legacy. It has an extensive golf legacy, but its Black golf legacy is a little, um, let's say, not uh, not well known. And uh, later this week, I'll be speaking with Hannah Davis, who is a local golf pro. Um, She is a Bermuda historian as well, and she's going to tell me all about Bermuda's Black golf legacy. I will be covering some of that at TravelPulse.com, and I'll come back at at some point and talk to you guys about it. But for now, one of our um, one of our uh, former guests uh, here, Charles Jeffers, was celebrating this event. And he told me we look forward to welcoming visitors to the island island for this historic inaugural event, which honors Bermuda's golf legacy and provides an action packed program for diversity. Um, we have to compliment Bermuda in this aspect. They have in the last administration, the last couple of administrations, I believe, celebrated the island's black legacy, its African and Caribbean roots. Uh, you hear a lot about the colonial roots, of course, and all of these are important. But uh, we want to we want to celebrate those islands that focus on some of the lesser known aspects. So you can look forward to that. Thank you very much, Brian. Now, I didn't actually know anything about Bermuda having a black golf recipe, a black golf legacy. So I'm interested. I'm really interested to hear uh, your interview with Hannah. And actually, I have plans to go to Bermuda, fingers crossed, um, at the end of September. So maybe I'll maybe I'll get out on the links myself. If there's a cute outfit involved, you know, I'm all about. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you'd make it look look cute. That's what. Thank you so much. (laughs) So you know, I consider myself a black belt shopper and I'm never one to miss a shop opportunity. But, you know, when I'm on a cruise ship, as I have been uh, three times in the last couple of months, um, finding something I want to buy can be really challenging because most ship boutiques only sell the same international brands that you can buy anywhere. And, you know, I'm all about shopping local. So that's why a recent press release that I got from Azamara Cruises makes me very, very happy. The line, which is... um, Sister, are they still sister to Royal Caribbean and Celebrity Brian? Remind me, I know you're the cruise girl. Yes, they yes? are. Yes. Okay, so Azamara um, is a yes, sort of an upper, upper mid-market line. Um, and they now announced that as of last month, they've introduced a new destination-focused retail program that will highlight the work of artisans that are locals that are local to the destinations they're sailing in. So, for example, when the ship's in New Zealand, you'll be able to buy wood carvings made by the Maori tribe. Or if you're in Norway, you could pick up a locally knit woolen sweater. 
The line hasn't yet announced any specifics on what we can expect to see on Caribbean cruises, but given the depth and the breadth of talent in the region, right. I have no doubt that there's going to be some good Caribbean shopping on board, maybe some wood carving, some coffee, definitely some painting, some art. I'm really looking forward to that. So well done, Azimara. I can't wait to see what you've got lined up for the Caribbean. There's been so much consolidation in the cruise industry that Sarah's right. Even I have to think now, is Azamara part of, uh, oh, actually, uh, our editor uh -oh, is telling us uh -oh. uh, Royal Caribbean sold Azamara to Sycamore Partners. It is now, see, we're, there's been a see, lot of the news as it happens. Got the news <laughs> Sorry, right guys. So, it. no. So, just to correct myself, Azamara is no longer um, allied with Royal Caribbean. They used to be, but they are not. But all the rest is the same. And I have to say, that's a great that's a great program because, you know, like Sarah, I've been on many, many, many cruise ships and you can really only expect to find the same merchandise on every ship. Mm -hmm. And uh, part of the part of the joy of traveling locally is, you know, finding the local stuff and cruise ships are going all over the place. So it's great that they're able to, um, you know, to make those uh, those adjustments and have that kind of program. Um, not just a few words on um, I was very lucky uh, this past week. I live in New York and the U.S. Open took place here. And our friends from Bermuda uh, invited me to come watch a match. I watched. And you were and you were at the big one, right? With I was at the big one. I watched with Djokovic, uh, Djokovic and, uh, and uh, Brooksby. 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 That's Brooksby. it. Jordan I don't Brooksby. know anything about tennis, but I did see some excerpts and it looked like it was a really exciting match. It was an exciting match. It was thrilling. And it was one of those things where you, by the way, BT, BT, W, you had to be fully vaccinated according to state law to, to get into the facility. Um, everybody right. had to prove it, um, which was great. And um, it felt good to be among a crowd. Um, people were cheering and that match was very, very exemplary. Um, but I want to say um, I talked there with a travel agent based in Mississippi, and she mentioned that she had one client who contracted COVID while on a Mexico trip at the LeBlanc Resort. Now, I'm not sure, Sarah, if you know this resort or have stayed there. This I have is been there. Mm -hmm. This is an exemplary resort uh, just on mm -hmm. the, the merits alone. It's it's an upper premium kind of resort. Very, very nice. Um, there's Canada. one in Combo yes. San Lucas, which is the one that uh, this client stayed at. Um, mm -hmm. I've stayed at the one in um, in Cancun. But Me uh, she mentioned that the the resort identified him as a as a you know he had to be tested on property he was tested was found to be positive um the resort did everything to take care of him meals um service in the room um they took care of his uh, testing costs um they stayed in constant contact with the travel agent and they paid for his transportation to return home um although the airline of course was was he was able to as they do now was able to uh, make changes and, and did not did not charge but they took care of every aspect of this guy's care and made sure that the agent was um, informed all along the way. And she said, this is the kind of operator that we're going to be working with in the future. If you're going to be in the Caribbean, if you're going to be operating, if you're a resort, these are the services that agents are going to be looking for now. She mentioned how difficult it is now to send people away because there is so much that she has normally a travel agent has to be involved in all kinds of aspects of a person's trip. But now they have to make sure they're taking the right test. They're following all the protocols. They know the entry mm -hmm. protocols and they have to adjust in case things go wrong. So um, resorts and uh, suppliers that can offer more assistance to the travel agent are going to be, you know, 
favorite in this environment. Yeah, no, I, I can only imagine how, I mean, the, as we know, the rules are constantly changing. And I can only imagine if you are then respon- essentially responsible for someone's vacation, sending them out of the country, and then this sort of thing happens. You know, you want to be in touch. Communication is critical. You know, your client wants to feel that you care, that they're being taken care of by the hotel and by their travel agent. So I think, yes, you're right. Sure, she's right. Absolutely. This is, this is I think, a part, uh, a new responsibility that both resorts and advisors are having to take on. No question. So on that note, I will bring you to my final little, little piece of inbox news. Um, now, you may not have heard of the Dutch island of St. Eustatius, which everybody really commonly calls Stacia. It sits between Sabre, another uh, Dutch Caribbean island, and St. Kitts. And the truth is, I've not been there yet myself. Have you, Brian? Have you been to I have- Stacia? I don't think so. Clearly, <laughs> it wasn't very memorable. I don't think we're, so. Yeah, exactly, we're going right. to go with Brian has not been because we're going to go with yeah. Brian let's say no because, because if I can't remember, no. Then if then you can't remember, not. it was not right. good. Right. So no. anyway, it was, well, FYI, Stacia has been open to vaccinated travelers since August, and yes, neither one of us has been there, but that might change next year because the eight square mile island volcano. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll start again. Because the eight square mile volcanic island has just opened its first resort. It's called the Golden Rock Dive and Nature Resort. And it's very near Stacia's best known attraction, which is a volcano, a dormant volcano called the Quill. The room has a spa. It's got an ocean view gym. It's got a restaurant called Breeze, which they're already saying is among the island's best. I don't know. It's full disclosure. I don't know many, how, how many restaurants there are <laughs> on this eight square mile island, but it's supposed to be very, very good. And honestly, what I found most charming about this resort was that when you go onto their website and you look at the address for contact, it just says, and this is what it literally says, behind, it says Golden Rock Dive and Nature Resort. Behind the mountain, number twenty-one. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I great. guess. I guess on an island that small, the mailman doesn't need much more than that to go on. So, but in case you do, and you should check it out because now I'm kind of intrigued. Now I want to go to to Stacia. Uh, go to goldenrockresort.com for rates and for more information. But congrats to you, Golden Rock, since St- sent you Stacia's first proper resort. Stationtons, ah, not Stationtons, Stationtons. Yeah. We have to get there. I want to see what's in front of the mount, of the mountain and behind it. So, you know, <laughs> one of these days we'll we'll get there. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I can't believe it, but all of a sudden it's time, and it's time to go. What's so fast? So, I know because, if, like I say, every every week there's just more news to, that we're just jamming into these thirty minutes. But with Brian and I, thank you both very much. We both thank you very much for listening. We know that there are other things you could be doing their time, so we appreciate you listening. We'd also appreciate it if you'd like this podcast, if you share it with your friends, and if you'd keep the Caribbean in mind for your vacation plans when you feel safe traveling. No Until question. next time, I'm going to say goodbye. I'm Jet Set Sarah and. I'm Brian Major of Travel Pulse. And we'll see you on the next edition of Complete Caribbean. Bye. Bye-bye, guys.